everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Keep Stimming podcast where we talk about everything disability, autism, chronic illness, and just general disability topics. Um, today we're going to be covering self-diagnosis and kind of that whole branch of information and that whole topic. Um, I do want to preface this with some trigger warnings. Um, there will be mentions of gaslighting, lack of medical care access, discrimination against gender, race, and class, mentions of suicide prevention, suicidal ideations, loneliness, and isolation. If any more do come up, I will go through beforehand and mention it and give you a minute to click off if you would like. Um, and we'll also be using autism as the, for examples. So if we're talking, if I'm kind of expressing, like talking about my story, I'm going to use autism as the topic rather than going into a bunch of different diagnoses that I have. Um, so yeah, that's what we'll be covering in today's episode. So to start off the episode, of course, we kind of have to talk a little bit about what self-diagnosis is really. So I think the main part of this conversation is kind of debunking the myth that self-diagnosis is an irresponsible and rash, quote, decision people make, um, as if it's like some kind of a choice to have a diagnosis, like to have a condition, I mean. Um, but we'll get into that later. Um, I think it's really important to just really stress that self-diagnosis is not what people initially think like a majority of what society thinks when they hear that term um, I think it's really harmful the generalizations that are made about it when people do hear that term and they think and they kind of we've all been on TikTok we've all been on social media we all see the comments under videos talking about self-diagnosis okay it's not a secret that people don't like people who self-diagnose so I want to really take the time today to talk about why it's really important um, so the first point I kind of have here in my little script is it's really a responsible step. It's super responsible for someone to sit there and think about their life and things that really impact them. Okay. Because it's a step towards relief. I truly believe that it's a form of suicide prevention. Um, and for some people, it is a step towards professional diagnosis. So all of those things are very important, okay? They're crucial in what I mean when I say self-diagnosis is responsible, okay? Because it is, I believe it is irresponsible to go around and, I mean, not necessarily go around, but I feel like it could be somewhat irresponsible to know you struggle and kind of ignore it, not only for other people, but for yourself, because that can cause emotional and physical harm. And I think it is a really big, important thing that we recognize that people who do self-diagnose are taking a step in the right direction. Okay. This is not a step back. This is something that we should encourage. Okay. Um, I think another thing that really gets lost in the conversation is there is oftentimes, and again, like everyone I know who self-diagnoses puts so much time into their research. Okay. It is not just a, I saw a TikTok that was like, the caption was like, oh, signs of autism and kind of was just like, oh my God, that's why I do that. Like that is not what self-diagnosis is. Okay. It's 
for me, it's been years of research. It's ongoing process. And that's how it is for a lot of people. And I think that's how it's done responsibly. Okay. It's something that should be rechecked up on something that you really keep up with just to make sure things like for me, I do it to make sure like, for example, the last time I took online assessments to make sure my answers weren't altered by whatever my current environment or circumstances were. Um, and then I take them, you know, maybe every few months to see like, okay, are my scores similar? Are my answers similar? All that kind of stuff. And I think people fail to acknowledge that people put a lot of time into this and it's not something that's rash. It's not something that is so quick and easy. Um, especially because the process can be really emotionally hard. It can be really emotionally hard to realize you have something like autism and to, as much as it can be really exciting and be kind of like, I have a reason and I don't feel broken anymore. It can be really hard and it can make some people feel more broken temporarily. Um, and I think again, that it's crucial that we acknowledge the fact that it is not something that people go into with the with the plan of kind of just being like, this is what I have and I'm going to go and say that's what I have, et cetera, et cetera. It's, that's not what it is and we shouldn't be making generalizations based on such a small crowd of people that I wouldn't even refer to that behavior as self-diagnosis. That is just nonsense. Like that's just p things people do online. That's not self-diagnosis, okay? Um, we should, the idea and the fact that generalizations are made are so harmful just as they are about every community, okay? Because there's always going to be people who, I don't want to say give a bad name, but do misuse things and do do things irresponsibly. But to say that self-diagnosis and the people who do, it quote, improperly self-diagnose or irresponsibly self-diagnose, to say that that's what everyone's doing completely contradicts exactly why people self-diagnose, okay? People self-diagnose often for community support, access, understanding themselves, trying to help themselves, and oftentimes help other people understand how to accommodate them, all that kind of stuff. And when we're pushing back against people who self-diagnose, we are fighting against their right to these things, Okay, you are directly denying somebody not just a label and an identity, but their right to happiness, to thriving, to understanding, community. Okay, and that's not okay because things like that can lead to depression, anxiety, loneliness, and those things can take a very dark turn. That's why I say at the end of the day, self-diagnosis is an act of suicide prevention. Okay, and I think that's really important that we realize when someone, if you're someone who's listening to this and you're kind of like on the fence about self-diagnosis or you feel that way and you're trying to listen to some other viewpoints, just know that when you do things like that, you're not just saying you're not this. You're saying you don't deserve this. You don't have a right to this. And that's where it really becomes a problem. Okay. Because if someone were to tell me you're not actually autistic because you're self-diagnosed, I know that they can't take that label away from me, but what they're taking away from me is my confidence, my happiness, my ability to feel like I can connect to other people because I'm scared now that other people are going to say those same things. Okay, so it's important that we just acknowledge that it's not just this one thing. A lot of things play into this, okay? 
Um, and again, there is, I will always acknowledge that there are people out there who self-diagnose irresponsibly. And I'm not going to sit here and say everyone who self-diagnoses, you know, is right because that's also not true. Some people can be wrong. And, but we also have to acknowledge that that is okay. Okay. It's not like what really is impacted by someone incorrectly self-diagnosing nothing. So to use that as a reason to, I feel like is very, very silly and a lazy way to back up your beliefs. Um, but again, I will recognize that people do do this wrong and they do it irresponsibly on purpose. Um, and I think we also need to acknowledge that the people who might do these things for attention also need support. This is another way of saying, hey, I need support. Um, so I think even the people who do do these things do need access to things and they are looking for help in some way. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on that situation, on what self-diagnosis really is. And what as a self-diagnosed person, like what I really feel people need to know more about when it comes to self-diagnosis. Um, yeah. So next, I want to cover a little bit about my self-diagnosis story. So I'm self-diagnosed with autism and ADHD. I do have several um, professional diagnoses at this point, um, but those are the two things I've self-diagnosed with just because of, you know, and again, I don't believe anyone owes an explanation, but I'm comfortable giving an explanation and I don't feel like I owe one, but I just am fine to give one. I don't have access to an autism assessment, an autism ADHD assessment. I have no funds. I'm unemployed. I'm disabled. I'm poor. I live in poverty. I don't have, I grew up in poverty. I've never really had full access to medical care and something I've been quoted for an autism assessment, the wait list that I'm on $4,000 <laughs> that is in the U S I'm in Massachusetts. That's I'm going out of network because I think I don't want to spend money on a diag like on an assessment in a hospital where the professionals are going to be ridiculously uneducated about autism because I believe that it's just going to be a waste of my time. So I have made the decision to go with someone who has a private practice, but again, that comes at a very great cost. So that is why I currently do not have one, but I do also want to say, I believe that people don't have to want a professional diagnosis, especially for some conditions, but we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. So for me, it started about two, two and a half years ago. I do have DID, so my memory is a little hazy. So please excuse if my timelines might seem a little inconsistent or wrong at some times, at some points. Um, but it started about two, two and a half years ago, I would say. And that's when I started working retail. Um, up until this point, I lived with my parents. I lived with my mom, not my parents. I lived with my mom and I was very sheltered. I grew up neglected and sheltered and I had no friends. I didn't go to public school. I didn't work. So when I moved out when I was 18, I got my first job. And this is when, of course, like I believe I could be wrong. So don't quote me on this. I believe in the, D the DSM, it is stated that... Um, autistic traits may come become quote more apparent when social demands or just demands ex like increase so this is getting my first job is really what told me okay something is off that was the first thing okay and obviously like i'm not going to get too much into that because i don't want this episode to be crazy long um 
but that was my first like okay something's like different i'm different i there's like this has been a thing my whole life okay i'm not gonna say like this i just started working and i was like what this has been an issue my whole life i've always felt this way i've always been bullied for these things of course a lot lot goes into it and i talk a little bit about it on my personal instagram at keep stimming um i do have i think a post or two about my self-diagnosis story um but it mainly manifested a lot of social difficulties social dis- difficulties was what initially was like the like oh okay like i'm different that's like kind of the topic that kind of was like okay um i do have an autistic brother he was diagnosed when he was very young like i don't even know like very young we were young children um so my knowledge of autism i had somewhat some knowledge on autism i grew up with an autistic brother um and so but my idea of what autism looked like was very wrong like i'm not gonna say i knew everything and that my ideas and beliefs were right um my brother is someone with high support needs and you know growing up he was very neglected as well for his autism traits so i was just you know i grew up around that and my idea was i couldn't be autistic because i don't act that way um when in reality you know i learned about masking and then i learned that i did that so much and that is kind of where that comes in but i knew that social difficulties was a big aspect of it um i knew that the eye contact and the social cues and that kind of stuff you know the stuff that we understand about autism right now is that's what was like maybe maybe i should look into this not maybe i have autism but maybe i should explore this it wasn't like a, i thought about autism and then i started noticing traits i noticed traits and then looked into autism because i wanted some kind of answer or help um and then fast forward a little bit when i entered the mental health psychiatric system um seeing a psychiatrist starting therapy um, we were, I was diagnosed with a few anxiety disorders, all of which I do actually have, um, PTSD, OCD, um, agoraphobia, and I also have bipolar disorder. That's not an anxiety disorder, but that's another diagnosis I have. Um, and that's kind of what it was boiled down to initially. It was kind of just like, you have all these anxiety disorders from trauma, you're traumatized. And then I was pumped with meds. <laughs> I was given, I'm currently taking lorazepam, which is Ativan. It's a benzodiazepine, I think. Um, it's a very strong anti-anxiety medication. And I was put on that and it wasn't working. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was recommended to me that I start something like Xanax, which I have not tried because I don't want to try something like that due to family history. But um, it was essentially kind of just, you're traumatized, you're anxious we're going to give you medications and not consider anything um, else, which is very common, which is, a, again, we'll go into my next point of why self-diagnosis and professional diagnosis kind of really, there's tons of pros and cons to these things. Um, but yeah, so my first psychiatrist was kind of just like, we're going to give you meds. I don't know why this isn't working. I think we're going to have to do this. We're going to add this medication. Maybe you should think about trying this. Like it was kind of like a, you're not responding to anything and we don't know why. Um, it was because I was reporting panic attacks that I thought were panic attacks at the time were actually meltdowns, which I've also heard is pretty common for people 
Um, as again, I do have anxiety disorder, so I do have panic attacks, but they're not as frequent as I thought they were. I'm just also having meltdowns. Um, fast forward a little bit longer, maybe a year. Um, I started seeing a new psychiatrist because my last one transferred out and my new psychiatrist saw my diagnostic labels. He, you know, listened to my functioning and kind of what I struggle with. And he immediately told me that I should be assessed for neurodevelopmental conditions and learning disabilities. Um, you know, he kind of told me, you know, and this, I, I, the wording kind of bothers me a little bit because it goes into kind of like functioning labels, but he was like, when we see someone with your kind of functioning, we tend to look into something else and not necessarily all of these anxiety disorders, especially if you're not responding to well to medication. Um, so then, you know, that further at this point, I had already self-diagnosed and started that journey before I had seen the psychiatrist. I hadn't mentioned it to him or anything. He brought it to my attention and I told him, you know, oh, I was, I'm actually already on a wait list to be assessed because I also believe there could be something else going on. Um, so that's a little bit about my self-diagnosis story. Um, just the kind of basics of where I started and kind of my experience with professionals, that kind of thing. Um, next, I kind of want to talk a little bit about why I believe self-diagnosis is necessary and important. Um, so to kind of keep it simple, to start, lack of a reason, quote, reason or label for struggles can come with so many awful feelings and suffering and manifestations of those feelings. So we have to keep in mind that emotional like emotions and emotional suffering can bring about bring about physical suffering. This is why things like emotional abuse can be quote you know because some people will think I wasn't physically abused so I my emotional abuse doesn't matter but it's your emotional abuse can manifest and turn into physical problems so it it's kind of this thing of where it creates a huge problem okay so lack of a reason or lack of a label can come with so many awful things and just overall suffering. Like I said, suicidal ideation because of loneliness, of grief, feeling left out, feeling other, like they don't belong, feeling broken or weird, believing these things that people say about them because autistics are often bullied and, you know, we are often always othered. And, you know, unless we've received a diagnosis early on or knew about it early on, we don't understand why and we just feel left out. Um, and I think, again, with going with self-diagnosis, people deserve to not feel that way. Um, there's also the fact that a label can allow access to a community to self-help resources, which could be a step in alleviating all these things. You know, we don't want to just identify these things, but we also want to help them. And self-diagnosis can be a step in that direction. Um, I know it, it has been for me. You know, I have my ups and downs. I will always say autism is good, but autism hurts me sometimes and I am disabled in my brain and my body and that impacts me but at the end of the day I don't know where I would be if I did not have the actually autistic community that I have today um, and I think that goes hand in hand with the fact that what we need as humans autistic disabled or not we need togetherness we need acceptance we need space to thrive as humans if we don't have human connection or interaction we're not going to be happy <laughs> we're not going to thrive obviously this varies person to person but in it, as a general rule we need certain aspects of connections in order to produce positivity rather than just survive 
because again, people who self-diagnose deserve the right to thrive. Um, everyone deserves the right to thrive. Um, and I think, again, it's just a matter of allowing people who self-diagnose the same access to spaces as professionally diagnosed people. Alienating and separating the two does essentially nothing. I truly believe that there is no point in doing so. And I that goes kind of in hand with my belief that you don't have to you don't owe anyone your diagnostic status. Like if I say I'm autistic, I'm not going to specify I'm self-diagnosed in a normal conversation. I'm just going to say I'm autistic because there's no really no difference other than a professional has acknowledged me. And some people might disagree. Some people might think it's more valid. But again, that goes into all the points I've been making as self-diagnosis is valid. Which kind of, as we talk a little bit about professional diagnosis, that kind of brings me into my next point of when professional diagnosis can become harmful. So being deemed incompetent to make your own medical decisions. This is something I've heard a lot of professionally autistic, professionally diagnosed autistic people specifically talk about and with any disability, honestly. Um, but again, we'll be using autism as the example. Um, being deemed incompetent literally just being told that even not even just in medical situations but with everything like you don't know better you have a disability you can't know better you don't know what you need your brain doesn't work right so you can't make your own decisions you're just overall incompetent you're stupid you're dumb you don't know better you're like making us seem like children <laughs> um so that is a huge aspect. And not only that, but we're often met with ableism by professionals with lack of knowledge and up-to-date research. A huge crisis we have is professionals do not always know what they're doing. And there is a lot of bias and lack of knowledge specifically in the professional field, medical field. Um, they're like, I'll use this as an example. I have DID. I have been quote unofficially diagnosed i'll say through my therapist because it's not a psychiatrist he can't technically diagnose me um you know but that's what he charges to my insurance my did that's kind of what that ex explanation is um when i reached out to my psychiatrist about it i was told she doesn't know anything about it that it's rare so she was never taught about it and that she can't help me um this is extremely harmful because this professional diagnosis and diagnosis through my psychiatrist was something I was seeking for validation and so I could get accommodation if necessary in other settings or medical settings um, so it's really frustrating when people try to act like professionals know everything and professionals are the go-to and that they're like the best that we can do. And it's silly because it just doesn't acknowledge the fact that some professionals just suck. You know, there's always the aspect of uh, racism, of um, gender bias, all this stuff. And it's really harmful to act like professionals are the best in the world because it's, it's so many people, I beg of you if you believe that, to really do some research on how professionals are not always there for people in the way they need to be okay it's very harmful I'm currently dealing with the situation with my current therapist with my DID treatment and it's due to lack of knowledge lack to up to, like up-to-date research 
and knowledge. So it's it's hard. That's why a lot of people choose to do things like receive assessments through out of network people who maybe are artistic themselves or personally research these things and take the time to listen to the actually autistic community rather than just be like, I went to school for psychology, so I know. That's kind of where you lose me a little bit is that does nothing for me. That means nothing to me. Um, obviously, I go to my doctor and I see, seek out diagnosis and support and help and advice, but it to act like it's just a black and white, they're always good and they're always perfect is untrue. Um, there's issues with things like certain assessments, like autism assessments, for example, can be very inaccessible on their own due to the format and the length of the process. This might vary by country, state, etc. In Massachusetts, in the United States, the assessments are often hours and long and spread across multiple hour long appointments in like in the span of days, weeks, etc. So that in itself, even when I was reaching out to the psychologist for my autism assessment and getting on the wait list, she was telling me that it is a hard process for the autistic individual. And it's going to be hard to bring STEM toys, to STEM, to take breaks, all these kinds of things, because it is hard. And that's something that honestly has made me really hesitant and scared to seek out my diagnosis. Um, misdiagnosis is a huge issue. Um, this is something that was somewhat a situation in my hand. I wasn't necessarily misdiagnosed. I was just ignored. And this can lead to medications that don't help, a poor treatment plan that don't help, prolonged suffering. Um, it increases feelings of suffering to feeling like there's, because it feels like there's nothing that helps. Like, again, you're broken. You know, I felt so at a loss for the longest time because I was like, why is my anxiety medication not stopping my panic attacks at all? It's not making them any easier. It's not making them any less. It's, they're happening just as much if not more because I was getting even more stressed and like frustrated so naturally I was having more meltdowns I was reaching burnout all this stuff so it's there's a lot that there's a lot that goes in here and you know there's a lot of ableism in the medical field and in society as a whole I really believe ableism thrives in our society and it does in professional settings not just because of you know lack of knowledge all that stuff, but because of the models they use, I'm not gonna get too much into this, but the medical model is very ableist and that's what most professionals follow. So that plays a huge part. That all being said, I do wanna talk about when professional diagnosis opens doors because there are things you get with, self with professional diagnosis that you do not get with self-diagnosis. Um, we cannot deny that professional diagnosis can be helpful because it can be. I'm not going to sit here and say that it can do nothing for you whatsoever. It's stupid. It's pointless because it's not. It can give you access to accommodations. Um, it can be personal valid, like personally validating, um, which I've seen some argument on TikTok specifically that professional diagnosis, quote, is not for personal validation, which I think is kind of stupid and kind of ableist in itself because Personal validation is important for people who might have grew up abused or neglected with things like gaslighting. Personal validation is a huge part of professional diagnosis. And I think saying things like that really leaves out a huge group of people. Um, but again, that, that's not what I'm here to get into. And this also, again, kind of going hand in hand with accommodations. It, just having your autism acknowledged in professional settings 
can also be really validating. It can really feel like you hear me, you might know I need, like, you know, I might need support, all those kinds of things. It, it can open doors for people though. It's not, people sometimes feel it's not necessary, you know, and that sometimes changes. Like sometimes I feel like, okay, I don't really care about professional diagnosis, but other times I'm like, wow, I really wish I had my professional diagnosis. With all of that being said, we reached our conclusion that there are pros and cons to every aspect of life, okay? Again, I struggle a lot with black and white rigid thinking because of being autistic, but it's so it's hard for me to acknowledge these things, but there are pros and cons to both self-diagnosis and professional diagnosis. Um, it's about weighing them for yourself personally is really my advice, is taking in as much media and advice and stuff as you can, but really ultimately making the decision for yourself. Um, Again, a reminder that self-diagnosis is an act of suicide prevention. I do believe, I know I've written an essay on this. Whether or not it's still up on my Medium, I will have to check. But if it is, it'll be linked on my Twitter and um, our Instagram, at KeepStimmingPod. Um, so if you're interested in reading more about that specific topic, that should be out there. I'll have to double check again. Um, and ultimately, those who self-diagnose need to be taken seriously. This idea that we are silly, stupid, doing this for attention, again, like I said in the beginning, it causes an array of problems. You are not just denying us a right to a label and to an identity. You are denying us space to exist, happiness, thriving, like the ability to thrive. You are denying, denying us the ability to connect. It, again, a whole thing. I could talk about this for hours. Um, but at the end of the day, people who self-diagnose need to be taken seriously because there is no need in bullying people who self-diagnose because there's no harm in it, even if someone is wrong. You know, there's this idea that self-diagnosed people take away from professionally diagnosed people. And I don't know why that's about because it's not like self-diagnosed people necessarily have accommodations. So it's not even like we're taking away from accommodations, but how would we even do that? We are never going to run out of accommodations in the world. So I don't, the, I don't understand that ideology at all. Um, but yes, so that is my conclusion, my rant on self-diagnosis. Um, thank you so much for listening if you got this far. Um, I will probably be doing a little bit of an Instagram live on, on Instagram, uh, an Instagram live on the Keep Stimming Pod account to kind of discuss this topic, answer any questions, you know, kind of discuss any nuances. Um, and if that does end up coming about, it'll be posted on my Instagram story and on Twitter. Thank you so much again for listening and I will see you next week.